you have your Bibles with you tonight, would you open them, please, to the very first book in the Bible, the book of Genesis. On Sunday night, we're in a sermon series entitled, The Patriarchs. In this series, we're looking at Abraham right now, then we'll look at Isaac, then Jacob, and then lastly, Joseph. Many of you have asked, how long will this take? Quite a long time. (laughs) But we're not going to do them all tonight, so you can relax. The title of the message, When Things Are Good. Last week, we looked at when things are bad. When When you're in the valley, when you're shedding tears. Tonight, we're looking at when things are good. You're on the mountaintop. You're happy. You're cheering. Genesis 14. Beginning with verse 16. And Abraham brought back all the goods. He also brought again his nephew Lot and his goods and his women and his people as well. The king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Chedorlaomer and the kings that were with him. Verse 18. Melchizedek the king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, for he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed Abraham and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, who is the possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which has delivered thine enemies into his hand. And he gave tithes of all. And the king of Sodom said unto Abraham, Give me the persons and take the goods to thyself. Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up my hand unto the Lord, the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, that I will not take anything that is of you, lest you should say, It was I who have made Abraham rich. The greatness of God is found in two areas in a person's life. The first, when they're in the valley of temptation, when things are going bad, as we saw last week, That's when a man will show his faithfulness to God or his unfaithfulness to God. In the temptations and trials of sorrow. But the second way a man will show his greatness is when he's on the mountaintop. In the temptations of success. When everything is not going against him, when everything's going his way. On the mountain, you show your greatness to God by being faithful. In the valley, you show your greatness to God by being faithful. Last week, we saw Abraham was faithful in the valley. When everything was going against him, he still chose to be like Jesus. He still chose to walk with God. As we move into Genesis 14 a little deeper... Things have changed for Abraham. You know, things can change quickly in life, can't they? 
Tonight you might be on the mountain, tomorrow you might be in the valley. Tonight you might be in the valley, tomorrow you might be on the mountain. Tonight everything might be against you. You ain't got a chance. Tomorrow everything's for you. And you have won. Things have changed quickly for Abraham as we go into Genesis 14. The war is over. He has defeated a mighty coalition of kings. He has rescued his nephew Lot. He's captured great wealth from the battle. Abraham is now a conqueror. He's now a celebrity. He's now a champion, all rolled into one. He's a hero to the people. How do you handle success? We're going to see how Abraham handles it. And once again, we see why he's in God's Hall of Fame and why he's an all-star for God. I want you to notice four things with me tonight. As we see when things are good. When things are good, there is a temptation to fall into pride. I want you to notice verse 16. Abraham brought back, notice that phrase, brought back, all the good. He also brought back again his nephew Lot and his goods and the women and the people as well. That phrase brought back is an inference that Abraham is going home. He's won a battle on the battlefield. He's now headed home. Abraham is a war hero. Do you understand that? His face is on every billboard. His name is in every paper. His praise is on everybody's lips. Everywhere Abraham goes as he's headed home, he's met with applause. Hail Abraham! That's what celebrities, that's how they're treated. As Abraham is heading home, it's interesting he doesn't stop along the way. You say, Pastor, why would he stop? To give a stump speech, perhaps. To conduct an interview. To go to an awards dinner where he's the guest of honor to participate in a ticker-tape parade. Oh, everybody loves Abraham. He's the Douglas MacArthur of his time. He's the Dwight Eisenhower of his time. He's the General Patton of his day. Abraham, though, takes no credit. Nor does he have any desires for any glory. Because he knows it wasn't him who won this battle. Who was it, ladies and gentlemen? It was God. God gave him the strategy. God gave him the men. And God turned the tide of the battle his way. 
And Abraham was smart enough to know that. We would be a very smart people to know something too. Whoever you might be seated in that seat looking at me right now, you are not a self-made person, you're a God-made person. Whatever you have in your portfolio, whatever you have in your possessions, guess who gave them to you? I did, Pastor. No, you didn't. God gave them to you. And anything that you've done in your resume, understand it was God who allowed you to do it. And Abraham was smart enough to know that all of these acclaims should be directed upward, not to him. You see, there's always a danger when you're a hero to fall victim to pride. To somehow think it's all about you. Look what you did. Abraham knew better than to do that. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about pride. In fact, it's listed as one of the seven major sins that you and I can commit. Pride. It's disgraceful. It makes big fools out of little people. It's deceptive. Those who have pride are the last ones to know it. It's demonic. It was pride who brought Satan down. It's deadly. The Bible says a haughty spirit, a prideful spirit, always precedes destruction. Whenever we become successful, we better be careful. Because there's a tendency to forget God and neglect God and even forsake God. Abraham said, listen, the battle's over. And I'm going home. <laughs> and I'm going to get there as quick as I can. Because I don't want to become a hero, a celebrity, a star to these people. I'm a man of God. But I want us to follow now something else. Abraham's on the mountain. Everything's going his way. He's having to battle pride, as we all have to battle it, by the way. And now he's going to have to battle something else. But great men and women of God know how to overcome not just pride, but they know how to overcome scolding. Look at verse 16. And he brought back, as he headed home, all the goods. He also brought again his nephew Lot. And with Lot he had also all of his goods and all of his women and all of the people that served him. Scolding. Abraham has rescued Lot from danger and death. Everything in Abraham wanted to say something to Lot. Could you guess what Lot, what Abraham wants to say to Lot? Four words. Somebody said these are the sweetest words outside of heaven. Oh, they're so sweet. When we can tell somebody, I told you so. 
Lord, I told you so. You should have listened. You should have did what I said. You wouldn't have gotten all that trouble. You wouldn't have gotten all that danger. I told you so. But Abraham never said that to Lot. Silence is golden. And Abraham understood that. So he did not whip Lot with his tongue. He did not lynch Lot with his words. He allowed his life to be the conviction. Dwight L. Moody was asked one time how you can tell if a stick is crooked. He said, by lying it next to a stick that's straight. <laughs> Abraham didn't have to tell Lot he was crooked. Abraham just pulled up alongside of him and let his life shine against Lot's life. And Lot figured it out himself without having to be told, I told you so. Now, don't get me wrong, there's times that verbal correction is necessary. There are times that words are needful and need to be spoken. There's times when we have to say something. But may God give us the wisdom to know when we need to say something and when we need to be quiet. When we need to do something and when we need to do nothing. Abraham, led of God, said nothing up to Lot about the situation. He didn't preach a sermon to Lot. He didn't point out his flaws and his faults, his mistakes, his errors, his wrongdoings, his shortcomings. He didn't rub them in. He didn't scold him. You see... When you're successful, there's some temptations, aren't they? Pride. Look what I did. I accept your applause. There's a danger in scolding, saying things to people that probably don't need to be said because we feel like we're superior to them. Thirdly, Abraham faced another challenge. You see, you thought all the challenges were when you're in the valley. <laughs> oh no, there's just as many challenges when you're on the mountain. You thought all the challenges come when everything's going against you. I tell you, there's just as many challenges when everything's going your way. Some of you are saying that greatness is found when you're losing. I tell you, greatness is also found when you're winning by how you handle the situations. Abraham has to deal with pride. He has to deal with the desire to scold and to gloat over Lot. He also has to deal with the temptation to forget God. In verse 17 through 20, we are introduced to a Bible character by the name of Melchizedek. If you look at your verses, you'll notice that he was a king. 
He was the king of Salem. You'll also notice that he was a priest of the Lord. He held a dual position. He was a king. He was a priest. Melchizedek greets Abraham as he's headed home. He greets Abraham and his soldiers with what the Bible says is bread and wine. And after he gives them some of the bread that has been blessed, some of the wine that has been blessed, he then prays a blessing on Abraham and his family. Abraham returns his thanks to God for Melchizedek's ministry to him by offering Melchizedek a tithe. This is the first time that tithing is introduced in the Scriptures. Now, you don't have to hold on to your wallets or your purses. I'm not asking for your money tonight. Some of you are looking... I'm not pit-pocking you tonight. Maybe next week, not tonight. But Abraham wants to say thank you to Melchizedek. Melchizedek is a picture of Christ. He wants to say thank you to Melchizedek, the king, the priest, who's brought bread and wine to serve him and his men. He wants to say thank you to Melchizedek, who prayed a prayer, a blessing on him. And he does it with a tithe. A tithe is an attitude and an action of thanks to God for what He's given you. Let me say that again. A tithe is an attitude. It begins in the mind and heart. An attitude of gratitude to God for what He has done for you and given to you. And it is expressed in a financial gift. Tithing is not about tax deductions. Tithing is not about controlling a church. Tithing is not about seeking favor from God by what you give. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. Tithing is God's way for God's people and God's church to say thank you to Him for what He's given us. And all of us who are followers of the Lord... All of us who are, have a gratitude and an appreciation and a thanks to God for what He's given us should be tithers. And if you're not a tither, it's basically saying I'm ungrateful, unthankful, and unappreciative to God. A tithe is 10% of all that God has blessed us with. We just give it back to Him. Heard the story about a young man who started a business. As his business was in its beginnings, he came to church every Sunday. He tithed $40 a week off his $400 a week salary. As the business was prospered, as the business was blessed by God, all of a sudden this young man's salary went from 400 
$1,000 a week to $4,000 a week. All of a sudden, there was a lot to do in his business. And he became busy. So busy, in fact, making more money for his business, making more money from his business, that he couldn't come to church anymore. He also decided that $400 a week was too much to tithe. That's just too much. And so he quit tithing. Quit going to church. Quit tithing. His pastor came to visit him. His pastor was concerned. And the pastor listened to him say, Pastor, I'm just too busy. I'm too busy making money and growing this business to come to church every Sunday. I hate to miss, but that's just the way it is. And pastor, I believe $400 a week is too much to give the church. It's just too much. After a conversation back and forth with the pastor, the pastor said, well, I didn't come here to debate with you. I just come here to tell you I love you. Invite you to come back and invite you to do what's right. And then the pastor said, can I pray for you? And the young man said, you may. Here's what the pastor prayed. Oh God, you have blessed Bob too high and with too much. Take him back to his $40 a week salary or tithe and reduce his business so he can come to church like he once did, like he once gave to you. Oh, Lord, you blessed Bob, and he forgot you. Lord, would you curse him so he'll remember you? You know what Bob said as the preacher left? I'll be back Sunday with my $400 a week tithe. <laughs> Abraham was tempted. I did it all. I told you so, Lot. You should have listened to me your uncle who's smarter than you are. God, thank you, but no thank you. You really didn't do anything for me. And then the last thing he's going to face. If you look at verses 21 through 24, now we're talking about Abraham. He's on the mountain. Everything's going his way. He's victorious, he's a winner, he's a champion. Everybody's applauding him, everybody's saying he's a hero. Oh, the great dangers that are there. But he avoids pride, he avoids scolding, he avoids uh, taking the glory from God. And then I want you to see in verse 21 through 24, he avoids compromise. You look at verse 21 and following, you'll notice that the king of Sodom, not the king of Salem, that was Melchizedek, 
But the king of Sodom comes to greet Abraham. And he says, Abraham, I would like to give you some gold and silver. This is part of the booty that you won back, the the bounty that you won back, the treasure that you won. I know it's rightly mine, but I'm just going to give it back to you if you don't mind, Abraham. And Abraham says, give it all to me. (laughs) No, he said, no, I don't want it. You keep your gold and silver. Because I know what you're going to do if I accept it. You're going to go around telling everybody that Abraham is rich because you made me rich. That I received your silver, that's why I'm wealthy. I received your gold, that's why I'm rich. You want to take the glory for something that God did, and I'm not going to let you. I will give the credit to God. You keep what you got. Wow. Now that's not to say that we can't take things when it's offered from others, but we always have to understand the motive of why they're offering it. And in receiving that offering, would we be taken away from the glory of God? A little church was trying to build a new sanctuary. The new sanctuary would cost $1 million, which was a lot for that little church in the day in which it was trying to build that sanctuary. A man by the name of Joseph Coors was getting ready to market his beer on the east side of the country. It had always been west of the Mississippi, He was now going to jump the Mississippi and bring it to the eastern seaboard. The board of directors of the Coors Brewing Company said to Joseph Coors, it would probably be a smart idea if we tried to have some good publicity. It'd be a good idea if we did something where we could get a little bit of Uh, praise for as we begin to market our product. May I suggest to you, Mr. Coors, we have a church that we've been told is trying to build a sanctuary. Why don't we give that little church one million dollars? Let's build their sanctuary for them. The board of directors voted on it and said, let's do it. So the representatives of the beer company came to that little pastor and that little church who's trying to raise a million dollars to build a new sanctuary. They said, listen, we're going to give you a gift of one million dollars to build that sanctuary. All we ask of you, (laughs) all we ask of you, is you put a plaque in your foyer that says, built by Joseph Coors and his beer brewing company. That's all. One million dollars. And all you got to do is put that little sign in the foyer giving credit to Joseph Coors and the Coors Brewing Company. 
Now I want to ask you a question. What would you have done? I hear you. But it's easy when you haven't been offered the million dollars to say you won't take it. The pastor thought about it, prayed about it, talked about it with his leadership, and he declined the offer. Now, he was called a lot of names by a lot of people who were on the carnal side, the worldly side. He was called a fool. He was called a bigot. He was called rude. He was called mean-spirited. He was called self-righteous. He was called an ignoramus. But he held his ground, and so did the church. They refused to take a million dollars to build a sanctuary that would be credited to a beer mogul. You say, Pastor, did they ever get that new sanctuary? Yes, they did. Seven years later, through the giving of God's people, the sanctuary was built. And in the foyer was put a plaque built by the Lord God through his people. And that's the way it should be, shouldn't it? Built by the Lord God through his people. Not by Joseph Coors and the Coors Brewing Company. You see why Abraham was great in closing? Because he did not allow pride to enter in after a great victory. He didn't scold people who made mistakes and had shortcomings that brought about the battle that led to his great victory. He acknowledged God because he knew God did it. And he would give God's glory to no man. He would not rob God of what was his, and that's the glory for everything God had done. May we learn from Abraham. May we learn from Abraham when he was in the valley. May we learn from Abraham when he was on the mountain. May we learn from Abraham when things were not going good and when things were going very good. Because the greatest test you and I will ever face is when we are blessed of God on the mountain or cursed in the valley. How will we handle either one of those? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.